This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Jerry Peters and First Class Mortgage. Our expertise, your peace of mind. Visit us at firstclassmortgage.com. Now, here's Jupe and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL Podcast, episode number 193 and Viggs, the season finale. Yeah, not the weekend we were expecting, although maybe we were kind of expecting it. I think we were hedging our bets on a matchup against Minnesota State and uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Basically, folks, the season's over. As you already know, we're the the best Minnesota team that didn't make it <laughs> or otherwise we're now the fourth best team in Minnesota again, Viggs. Yeah. And Pat's provincial poll, probably, probably fourth. <laughs> you never know with Pat though. He could throw in a curveball. Regardless, the season's over folks. A lot of craziness has happened since the season's ended for, you know, us and many other teams. Uh, no, no number one seeds made it through to the frozen four. Three Minnesota teams did not name Minnesota. And uh, that's where we're at, folks. But I guess we could start with the positives, Viggs. Um, that first matchup with Omaha, I was a little nervous. Um, they came out and they, they just stuck it right to them. Omaha just really wasn't much of a game, I don't think. Yeah, I'm not sure what got away from Omaha in that game. We expected them to play heavy, play physical, play defensive. And Minnesota was just able to catch them time and time again in transition, with numbers to the net, with extra late guys finding space. There was just a ton of room on the ice for Minnesota. It was clear that they were better skaters and were able to find gaps. I thought the defensemen activated really well that game just to create that extra offense that you need in the NCAA tournament and Minnesota finished, you know, we heard Omaha's coach after the game say it doesn't take a lot of mistakes. It takes a mistake, a mistake in trouble against Minnesota. Tommy Nevers. (laughs) Superstar of that game. Apparently scores at will in practice according to Bob Motzko (laughs) in the post game. It hadn't translated to the game action for him this year, but he came through with a couple good ones, and they they were nice goals too. They were, you know, he he's got the reputation of being a goal scorer. He did it with Edina, he did it in the USHL, and we hadn't seen it this year. I think we talked a little bit during the season that maybe if he played with a few different players, that he'd get more scoring opportunities, but it just wasn't clicking for him. And you know, good time to get his first two goals. And Ben Clymer was happy. We know that. We know Ben Clymer's happy. He must have some ties to the Nevers family. So I'm sure he celebrated uh, before he went and played around golf. So, so they, they they get the big win um, Saturday. On the other side of the bracket, we had Mankato and, and Quinnipiac. Uh, look, I didn't get to see the game. I saw bits and pieces of it, but uh, Mankato uh, came down from a 2-0 deficit, got a tie and go late, won it in overtime, got their first NCAA victory uh, finally got that monkey off their back, Viggs. Yeah, they were playing tentative. I know Hastings mm-hmm. talked about that after that game and before the Gopher game and after the Gopher game. He was a little worried about how his team was going to play, and the Sandlin line was the line that was producing for them, was getting scoring chances and, and being dangerous. And he started going to them pretty heavy. And Luckily, that paid off for them. You know, they got the the tie-in goal. They got the game winner. And uh, that line just carried over its play into the game against Minnesota. And pretty fortunate for them, I think, to get away with the win over Quinnipiac. Because I I didn't think they played particularly well. And uh, they escaped. Yeah, but that's all they needed to do. And uh, and really, they literally did get the monkey off their back with that win. Um, I mean, they hadn't won an NCAA since they were in Division Two. <laughs> yeah, it had been the long, ongoing story with the Mavericks about when would they get their first NCAA Division One tournament victory. Yes. And, you know, part of me 
I felt, I felt happy for Mike Hastings. Yes. I've, I've talked to him a couple of times writing things for the athletic and just in general in college hockey. And he's a really engaging guy. We've talked about that over the year. You know, he's one of the good guys in college hockey. And I think he was pretty relieved after the weekend. And just one thing about how that first game went for them. I think we've seen that happen to Duluth a couple of times mm-hmm. where they get in that first game and it's almost like they feel like they have to play a perfect game. Yeah. And they're just so stressed about that. And then once they get through that, maybe they feel a little freedom, a little confidence, a little swagger, whatever you want to call it. And they definitely brought that into the matchup against Minnesota. Now let's talk about that, Viggs. Um Before you know it, that game, um, it's 2 nothing, real quick, back-to-back. And it was, pretty, it was a 2 nothing game. They did get some goals later because Minnesota had to open it up. I was actually texting with a friend. During that game in third period, I go, this is not going to be a 2 nothing game. It's either going to be Minnesota gets back into it or it's going to be 3 or 4 to nothing, just because of how Minnesota is going to have to play. And that's exactly how it turned out. Viggs, we have seen this before. These were the almost very similar games to when Notre Dame came to Mariucci. Minnesota didn't get any early goals. Uh, a really good defensive team took the lead and they shut them down. Yeah. You know, I was texting with some people and DMing with people this week, and I kind of came to the conclusion that all the worst habits of Minnesota's game came out against Minnesota State. Like, all the things that frustrate you about this team kept happening, and they just went over and over, shift to shift to shift. Guys coming up the ice, one against four, and skating right into the middle. Like they want to be the center dot on the five dotted die. You know, they, they think that there's space there to make a play. There isn't space there to make a play. Or you've got guys coming down the wing, you know, trying to make something happen by throwing a backhand or soft pass into the slot. That's just a turnover. You've got players in the offensive zone who get it in their head that they just want to get pucks on net. And they don't think about beating the shot blocker either by getting the shot off right away changing the angle, waiting for the shot blocker to pass. None of that happens. And, you know, Minnesota State had 27 block shots, I think, in the game. More than shots we, that we got on goal by far. It's just, it's just not the recipe for success. And they just kept doing it over and over again. We saw the power play. Get on the ice and just not be very creative. Well, it's either... we got to hold off on the power play because the power play has basically sucked in 2021. It, it just well has. earlier in the season they were good, but since then, well, they were under ten percent since January. If I were to critique the power play, I think Mike Caster has been the most dynamic defenseman okay. of their options. <clears throat> he needs to be out there with the guys who are the top scorers for the team in that set. Scott Reedy, Sample Ranta, those guys have been very productive on five on five power play you need to get those three on the ice as much as you can with the man advantage and that just it didn't happen this year and it's it's kind of baffling to see that over the course of the year it's like it hadn't been working and give them some space because maybe they know what they're doing (laughs) as a coaching staff (laughs) you know but but when you look at the results you know the other unit wasn't productive they weren't dynamic they they scored chances off rushes they scored chances off chaos they scored chances off bad penalty kills it wasn't because of skill talent flow the other unit more consistent and maybe if they would have gotten more time on ice on the power play those numbers would be a little bit different i I guess it's the frustrating thing with me is like you said everything all the bad things they did, they did in that game. Not the good, obviously the worst time ever to have that happen. But it mm-hmm. does happen against these type of teams, the defensive structured teams. And nobody is better than that in the last few years than Mankato. I would say Notre Dame is really close there. They just didn't have the offensive skill. And even Michigan State, when Minnesota had to come against Michigan State, they were able to come back because that, there was that type of team but Michigan state just doesn't have the skill to f- complete and finish a game like that. Notre Dame is able to do that. And, you know, you look at back at Mariucci, they could, it was very similar. They couldn't do anything, 
But then whenever they got like a lead on one of those teams, those games were over pretty quick, Viggs. So what's going on here? Who Who is the best team in college hockey the last couple of years in these tight games? <clears throat> I, 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 I kind of like Notre Dame in those games, but who are you thinking? Who, who's won NCAA titles playing this way? Well, Duluth, yeah. Duluth. Duluth plays this way. And I think part of the reason teams like Duluth and Minnesota State play this way is they know they can't run and gun and win titles. Mm-hmm. They they know they shouldn't be doing that. I think Minnesota State tried to do that a little bit against Northern Michigan in the WCHA tournament. I watched a little bit on Flow TV. And they just fed the other team's offense. These teams, when they play this style, it's like Brett Larson put with Michael Russo and Pat McLeodie the other day on KFAN. You come into this fight thinking you got to get body blows. You got to get zone time. You got to make them tired. You got to possess the puck. You got to draw penalties. You got to play a tight game and you can't give them anything. What Minnesota does in these situations is their players go, all right, I'm going to hit a home run. I'm going to deliver an uppercut. I'm going to deliver a big hook. I'm going for the knockout every shift. It just doesn't work. And these players, they put a lot of pressure on themselves. I don't think it's a lack of effort or hustle. It's just a lack of mental discipline in these situations. And what happens is they just get in the trend and that's what they go to. In these situations, and the thing they is, go to that because because they know, like you know, if I could just get us a goal or two, we're gonna win. Because that team would have, I think you if you don't give give up a goal, if you get up one nothing or two nothing on Mankato, the game's over. Because game Minnesota, totally changes completely different. Point. I think Minnesota wins because you know it just seems like I don't know, like maybe it's just an attitude or something. It's like okay, we're doing this, we're doing the right thing. And then they can shut down teams. Minnesota is not terrible defensively, Vigs. When they get a lead, they usually can play really well with it. Yeah, they've they've shown this year that they know how to play with the lead. They know how to counter. Yes. If you give Minnesota lots of rush scoring chances, you're going to lose. And so you get more rush scoring chances when you're ahead. When you're behind, the other team isn't going to give you that. And the other difference in this game against Minnesota state is Dryden McKay played solid when the Mavericks needed him to play well in the third period, Minnesota did have some chances. You know, there were players who changed the angles and gained some good shots and McKay came out very aggressively and shut it down, froze a lot of pucks when his team needed it in the big 10 tournament. When Minnesota was behind trying to get goals, they ran up against soft goaltending. You know, I didn't think Michigan or Wisconsin got good goaltending in those critical games against Minnesota, even though Minnesota was chasing a little bit. But but how much was Mankato giving Minnesota the puck in the third period, too? I mean, they, they <clears> did <throat> a lot of dumping, like, even a lot of icings, because they're like, you're not going to score on us. We're just killing the game. So they weren't trying to score in that third period at all. They were just shut it down. Eh, go chase the puck. Go get it. Come back at us. You're not going to score. Exactly. And that's why Minnesota needed to deliver some body blows. Cause I thought they, they played pretty well in the third, third period. Like they had an opportunity to have the puck and make something happen with it. They just didn't execute the game plan that they needed to execute against Minnesota state. And that's just been the problem we've seen for a couple of years here. Uh, so is that coach or is it leadership of the players not listening to the coach? We'll see. I got <laughs> to believe. You saw Twitter vegs. They're all like, let's go. Never, he always fails in the end. I mean, I, come on. He's, I, he's, won, he's won a gold medal at the juniors. The guy knows how to coach in a, in a real game. Um, that It's just BS when people say that stuff. I think he knows how to coach. Yeah. But I think his players need to listen to his coaching. And I just don't know if that's happening with this team all the time, we talked about how sometimes the bench would get negative, get down, mm-hmm. not have the right energy that things were going to turn around and stay positive and play the right way because to play a body blow style of hockey, you have to be patient. You have to be positive. You have to, you know, have links in the chain all go together to make the ground game work. And if you try to do one and dones or you, you turn the puck over by missing the net 
or by turning it over on a bad escape move, you know, your shift ends, you lose the momentum, you start over again. And there just wasn't that dedication to it. And it was, it was the wrong time to have that kind of game. And it happens against another Minnesota team, which they have struggled against. And of course, you know, I was just being a smart ass all week saying, Hey, they hadn't won a game at outside the state of Minnesota since 2007. Well, they did do that, but they hadn't come out of a regional outside the state of Minnesota since 2002 um, in Michigan, where they didn't even play Michigan that time. You know, Michigan was in that regional, but that was the old six teams in a regional type of thing or whatever, four teams, whatever it was. Um, so they didn't play Michigan. They ended up playing Michigan in the Frozen Four instead. But um, And it was also, you only had to win one game back then, too. Gophers had the bye. They ended up facing CC, who played a game before. So the things were different back then. So it's it, it just fits the old narrative. Hey, they, they can't win unless they're at the Axe I don't think it has anything to do with the site this year. Although certainly. Well, this year, I, yes. But it just, it just plays into it. <clears throat> yeah, it's your fault. I'm going to blame you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, what are we going to do? Well, there was plenty of other thrilling hockey this weekend. Uh, but before we get to that, we need to hear from our sponsor. Hey, fellow GPLers. This is Jerry Peters from First Class Mortgage. Interest rates are near all-time lows and property values are on the rise. Lower your interest rate and remove monthly PMI at the same time to save thousands of dollars. Or use the equity in your home for debt consolidation and home improvement. The housing market is still hot, so make sure you're prepared by getting a pre-approval letter from me before you start shopping. Mention you heard about me on the GPL podcast and receive a $300 closing cost credit. Some restrictions do apply. Call me today at 612-940-3291 or visit firstclassmortgage.com to fill out a free online application. My NMLS number is 480200. First Class Mortgages is 322842. This is not an offer to lock into an interest rate agreement under Minnesota law. First Class Mortgage is an equal housing lender. And of course, we thank Jerry for sponsoring the GPL podcast the last couple of years. We always appreciate him doing that. Oh boy, Viggs. Well, there was if we if we kind of go back to some of the complaints, North Dakota wasn't happy that they had to play a game and they had to play the you know you know had got to play a arrested North uh, Duluth. Excuse me, Minnesota had to play the late thing. Um, Motsko kind of made that apparent. He really was not happy about that. Um, unfortunately, ESPN has control of almost everything, don't they, on who plays when and what channel and who's going to see it. And I, I've got to think they have some control over where they're playing sometimes. <laughs> these regionals and these rinks that they're playing in, maybe it's convenient for ESPN's talent to work in these buildings, but and we saw some bad ice over the week. It just took a oh, yes. from from St. Cloud to get good ice in Fargo. Luckily, they were able to do that. But the other rinks, you know, they put in these NCAA ice sheets and don't know what they're doing exactly. And the ice is bad. But the I think the rest thing is probably overblown. I got a lot of brush back on Twitter this week after tweeting out what Bob said on his coach's show where he, he blamed the – lack of rest for their performance against Minnesota state, knowing that they had to have a good first period, you know, you had a pretty easy game against Nebraska Omaha. I thought they played well all 60 minutes. I thought they played hard, but it wasn't like they were in a stressful game the night before that caused them to be out of touch in the first period against Minnesota state. When you knew you had to come out strong, they came out tentative. And once they fell behind, they just weren't able to regroup and, and play the right way. And I, I think it was something he probably should have saved for the coaches convention in Florida and Naples. If he really yes. wanted to make a big deal of it. Cause he looks like a big whiner now. He just does because, you know, they played three games in three days the week before they did just fine. Uh, yes. They ran out of gas in the third period of the third game, but that is no, I, it, it made him look like he was whining. It, it made it look like he was whining, and he doesn't have a great track record in the NCAA tournament. So 
it's just it's kind of comical to see these St. Cloud fans who said for years that Bob would never leave St. Cloud. He's a loyal Husky. They've got him. He's one of us. He's going to build our program. He's going to take us to the championship. As soon as he leaves for Minnesota, they're like, he, he can't win in the tournament. He can win in the NCHC regular season. Great. Lots of offense, lots of goals, but he can't win the NCAAs. Boy, <laughs> those people turned on him hard. <laughs> oh, it was mostly Husky fans chirping me this week because I didn't pick them to win or root for them. I went to Mankato. I'm going to root for them. You know, Minnesota's going to – not like I'm going to be rah, rah, woo but I'm going to be like, hey, I wouldn't mind seeing Mankato win because, one, I went to the school. Two, Hastings is really likable. I've spent some time around him. You spent some time around him. Hey, great guy. Love to see him win. And now, you know, you get the Husky fans. But I, I'm afraid they might turn into Duluth fans if they win a tournament. Ah, I'm okay. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever happens. You know, I, I'd but, like all the teams of the Frozen Four. I think it would be interesting to, to watch for hockey reasons and uh, lots of great storylines. Before all of that, Viggs, we had a crazy Saturday night where North Dakota's playing Duluth. On the same network Minnesota's going to be on, ESPNU, their third period ended just as our game was started, and it was tied. Minnesota plays their full game with Omaha. The other game is still going on. Just finished their third overtime or around close to finishing their third overtime. Go to the fifth overtime, Viggs. Wow. Everybody was talking about it. What I was able to finish all my transcriptions from the Minnesota <laughs> game and still watch the end of the North Dakota Duluth game. I mean, I've I've finished transcriptions and the bars have been closed in Duluth before. So yes, it's it was a long game and what a classic! That's the Duluth style that we've all seen over the last couple of years. That Sandlin gets his players to buy into. They don't give up a lot of chances. They block a lot of shots. They're not a prolific offensive team, but they're very difficult to play against. And that that fit them to a T. And that game you had hate it to all. See North Dakota lose. You hate to see North Dakota lose. You hate to see it. Oh, I kind of wanted both teams to lose, but <laughs> <laughs> but but Duluth appeared to have won it early on in the first overtime. Gets called back for over for offsides. Later on, the Duluth goalie. Starts cramping up, and you could actually, when you, if you were watching live, people, you could know something was not right for about the last, let's say, two or three minutes. He was playing; he was kind of. I noticed he was he was down on his knees for a while, but he came back, started playing again. So there was something definitely wrong there. Cramped up, new goalie comes in. I, I it, it was just the weirdest. Thing. The kid who sat on the bench for probably four periods scores the winning goal. Um, it, it had it all. It really did. It was what tournament hockey is about. Yes. We we love Bucci OT, and uh, it's, it's even better in college hockey because there's only one game between the two, and it means all the more. Hapke is already like, the Who game was longer than the GPL podcast overtimes. So. <laughs> <laughs> True. Sometimes we do True. go long here, but True. we don't go that long. <laughs> Excuse me. So Duluth gets to the Frozen Four Vigs. Um, again, if you get them in the tournament, uh, well, they have a chance to win it, and they certainly do now. And then, you know, on the other side, we've got UMass taking out Bemidji. Um, we've got St. Cloud taking care of the Boston squads, and then obviously Minnesota State. We've got a, a pretty nice uh, Frozen Four going here. Yeah, we sure do. I think Bemidji just kind of ran out of gas against Massachusetts. I think Mass has a great goaltender, wild prospect. We had a good game. Uh, Garrett Waite, who went there, <laughs> go figure, huh? You know, a kid who doesn't think he's going to see much action in Minnesota, maybe doesn't mesh with the coach and, and what's happening there, finds a home in Amherst and, you know, comes through getting some playing time for them. That's a good storyline. There's a story about that in The Athletic. Uh, this week that was kind of neat. 
Um, but it's going to be a great Frozen Four. I, I don't know what to think exactly with St. Cloud State losing Brodzinski. Oh, boy. Probably lucky it was just a leg fracture and not a ligament injury as well uh, for his long-term future. What a recovery, though. What a recovery by that team. They A lot of times you see teams fold when, when their top player goes down, and uh, uh, they they got stronger. Yeah, it seemed like it put some resolve in their game, mm-hmm. and and they finished that one out. You know, St. Cloud's a tough team. I I saw a couple of their games against uh, North Dakota this year, and and they're they're a talented team. They're going to be a tough out as long as they embody that style that Brett Larson seems to have brought with him from Duluth. That was kind of surprising. I've I've talked about this year how I'd kind of written off St. Cloud under Larson. I didn't know if he would have the the horses to, to compete with him at the helm, but they're, they're playing the right way. So they're going to be a tough out too. You know, uh, Monsko has been trying to get older. Team is older. Um, they still had average age was still what about a year on average, younger than Minnesota state. Um, can a team like Minnesota get older? Well, when Bob <laughs> took the job, he said, to get older, we're going to have to get younger first. Which I think Bob is, Bob is trying to get as many of his guys on the roster as he can. And we're, we're seeing that with some of the guys who are leaving, uh, maybe not giving guys that extra year because of the COVID and saying, good luck. You know, thanks for all of you done, but we're going to keep moving along here. And he's got an upcoming recruiting class, at least at forward, that has some young kids, you know, Lucius and Nyes are draft eligible kids. I think they're going to want to be playing college hockey next year. Uh, Pitlick and Braz, you know, they're guys who've been drafted. Uh, they've spent some time in the USHL. They're not exactly old yet either mm-hmm. though. They're still pretty young. Uh, Huglin, you know, he may be older, but he's missed some time due to injury. And if you're looking at five forwards coming in, that's what's coming in. I think for this team to get older, what they need to have is the older players that they have committed, but probably aren't going to be on the roster next year to stay committed. And that's always the challenge. Guys like Bersini, uh, Pinamini, uh, Middlestat, Warner, Strobel, those are the guys you want coming in at 21. You know, they're not top, top scores. They're going to be depth players for you a little bit, but you need those guys to stay committed. You know, I'm noticing the chat here, and somebody named himself Stinky Offals. I wonder which uh, former Rube or whatever that may be. But he's got a pretty good question. You know, how do you score and get a penalty for a D-man driving you into the goalie? And I think the, the, the I think the refs did the right thing. They went back, they reviewed it, said, "Oh yes, this is a goal." But I are the rules that you can't reverse a penalty called. So they, I mean, once they called the penalty, they couldn't go back on that. Is isn't that the rule in college hockey leagues? That's the rule in college hockey is once you've made the call, the penalty on the ice, it's going to stick. You can't go video review and be changing penalties. It's not written in the rules. You can go into the video and assign extra penalties for yep. contact to the head and things like that, but you can't go in there and take away some of the other things. I'm and glad they at least got the right call for the goal. I wish I wish some of the announcers knew those rules because I was even tweeting that during the game. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that the refs can't change the call here, but they never really mentioned that. They're like, Oh, he scored the goal, but he has to serve the penalty. I'm like, that's kind of the way it is. Yeah, it, it would be helpful sometimes for these announcers to be a little more familiar with the college game uh, <laughs> when they when they get in these situations. But I guess that's what you do for 160,000 viewers. Yes. How were the how were the the ratings, Viggs? I I, I noticed you uh, talked about. It. Obviously, our boy Nate loves talking about it. How did they look? Well, I mean, they made the top 50, which is, or the top 150, which is kind of a metric for how good the games are. If they're outside the top 150 for that day, it's bad. <laughs> so actually getting some games in there is a good thing. That doesn't happen every year where they get five games in that window. So overall, so, so it's which probably games were a pretty they? good year. Which, which games were they that got in there? Obviously, probably the, <laughs> oh, I'm... the, the Duluth one probably did, didn't it? 
Yep, the Duluth one was one of the games that got in the ratings. Well, now I got to look. <laughs> Sorry, we should have covered this in the pre-show. Didn't mean to get you on the spot there, but you know we're pretty spontaneous here. We kind of let the, everything just kind of flow here. So yeah, so Wisconsin Bemidji on Friday drew 137,000 viewers. Mm-hmm. It was the 110th program. Nice, uh, a point zero six share, which is pretty good for a hockey game. On Saturday, two games made it: the Minnesota Duluth North Dakota game, 169. Thousand viewers, nice, and then uh, Bemidji, Massachusetts, uh, one hundred twenty-four, so eighty-two thousand. So not as many people watching when that game was on, but a good share. And then Sunday, uh, Saint Cloud, BC, seventieth uh, program with two hundred fourteen thousand viewers. And then what do you think was the highest viewership of all the games? Probably Minnesota, Minnesota State. Minnesota, Minnesota State, 216,000 viewers, 0.07 share, which is probably one of the higher-rated college hockey games in a while, yeah. especially for a non-Frozen 4 game. And still the, the highest-rated Frozen 4 is still the 2002 championship between Maine and Minnesota. And it, it was 2.1 million. It was by far the highest. I think there was only a, a 1.8 at, in Boston, at the Boston Garden. May have come close, but otherwise... It's pretty much the gold standard. Obviously, good for us, but Minnesotans watch their college hockey. They just do. That's why people would say, you know, how come Minnesota's always on the Big Ten Network? Because they bring the biggest ratings. And, and that's considering, you know, you know, you think about just trying to find the damn game. <laughs> That was a little bit of an adventure. This I mean, weekend, I mean, I, I mean, ESPN had some issues. Overtimes. They had yeah. some problems because they had pre-programmed their their channels and whatnot. So people would go look for like the Minnesota and and uh, the Omaha game, and it wasn't even showing up as an icon on their screen. It's like, no, you got to look for cornhole, or whatever it was at the time. Uh, so. ESPN did not do a good job on the web for anything that had gotten shifted. A little unfortunate, especially <laughs> with all the streaming that's happening now. I mean, that's how I watch the games is I'm, I'm a YouTube TV guy. So I'm logging in to watch ESPN and then trying to find the games and things like that. So it's uh, it was more complicated than it needed to be. So uh, even with all those challenges, pretty good regional ratings our boy gray eagle do the ratings show how many viewers muted barry melrose (laughs) (laughs) something's not right with barry i don't know if it's parkinson's or something he had some shaking i don't i'm not going to diagnose anything but whenever they did those wide shots one time his leg was just tapping up and down the other time his hand was just shaking like crazy and so much so that later they had him take his other hand and put it over it i so uh I'm not sure what's going on with Barry. I think he was still pretty coherent during the broadcast, but I, I, you just hate to see that. He's kind of a, I mean, he might not be liked very well, but he's kind of, he's one of those hockey guys, Vs. He he is a hockey guy. And even if he's not researched up for the game as much as we would (laughs) like being that we'd probably know more about the players playing than he does. Yes. He is part of a hockey history on ESPN and, uh, it's, it's part of what you get. You get Bucci-Grass and Melrose for these things. No Clay Mavic this year. I never did find out why Clay wasn't calling. I know he was doing some softball and some other things. He had just done the women's championship, but uh, maybe uh, I'm not. Uh, maybe the Hextall ended up replacing him because the, the female Hextall, typically, you know, you know, Clay is calling us a, a, a regional nearest to Minnesota because he still lives here. So didn't see him. Um, craziness, Viggs, craziness with the transfer portal. I've got that as a topic tonight specifically <laughs> because in the last week, even in the last couple of days, it has gone crazy. Just about every senior on almost every team have put themselves in the portal. Um, and that's on top of a lot of the, you know, you know, Ivy league school players who did it months ago. <laughs> the free agents. There's a huge list of free agents out there, Viggs. Yeah, Greg Powers hinted at this in his Arizona State end of the year press conference. He said it's going to be 
free for all. Crazy offseason. You're going to have so many players looking for places to play next year. I'm certain that Powers has gotten a lot of people interested in playing a season in the desert. I'm, you know, I'm sure that's why he knows how crazy it's going to be because I'm sure these players are saying, hey, my coach or my AD isn't sure there's a spot for me to come back and play another year. You know, what do you, what do you think in Arizona state? Do you have spots? I'm sure that conversation has yeah. come up more than once. And, and, and the thing is um, this all happened because of COVID they're giving pretty much everyone, Hey, you've got an extra year. You know, we're giving you an extra year. So every senior almost put themselves in there. But the problem is Viggs, and you and I discussed this, have discussed this before and even discussed this before we started the show tonight that uh, a lot of teams are just not going to have spots. I mean, they're not going to have spots no. for I mean, one. They're not going to have spots for a one-year guy. But on the other hand, you've got somebody like a Jared Moe, who's not a senior, who just jumped into the portal yesterday or the day before, whatever it was, and uh, he's somebody who would have more than one year of eligibility left. So, uh, What's going on? I mean, we're hoping, hey, maybe we can get LaFontaine back, but we don't know. Later the same day that Mo puts himself in the portal, we get a commitment from a junior player. I, I don't have his name off the top of my head, but uh, we've got a tornado going on right now. We do have a bit of a tornado going on right now. We've talked a lot how Bob and Jared just don't seem to be very friendly with each other. In terms of the coach talking about Jared with the media, with radio, and just giving him a chance. I know when Jared committed, I talked to him when he was in junior, and he said, I didn't commit to Bob, but Bob said he'll give me a chance to prove myself in the net. If you look at the stats for Jared Moe this year, he got three games. He got to play against Arizona State twice, and he got to come into a Wisconsin game where Minnesota was just completely checked out. I don't know if that's really giving him a chance to find his game or play. And so I think from his perspective, he's a drafted player. He's 6'4", 200 pounds. He's a technical goalie. Technical goalies typically need some work and game action to find their game. And so he told Jess Myers this week, I need to play games. And so he'll have three years to play somewhere and, and get some game action. We talked about over the year, you know, if you don't give him some action – you're probably going to lose them. And maybe Bob was okay with that in the end because they were pretty quick. As soon as that portal news came out, Brennan Boynton, he's the top uh, goals against guy in the USHL. He uh, won the Burnsack award uh, with Champlin took them, I think to the state tournament uh, for Champlin, which, you know, that's a hammy question. Amazing. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I think he might've done it. Uh, Cause he was a pretty good goalie for them. It was, might've been pretty close. He's at, talented goalie who's put in his time down in the ushl and they were quick to go to him does this mean that laffer's back that's the big question you know we people have we had, we had people on on gpl today say well can't you just you know ask him i'm like, like i know 50t i know 50t i i could just reach out to jack if i wanted to but i'm kind of respecting the wall of him being a student athlete and you do not college to... athletes yeah work the way college athletes work is you usually go through the SID. If you go around them and you go straight to them without going to the SID, you will find that when you Bye -bye. want to do some stories, you might be last on the list to get interviews. And so it's just different than pro athletics or even high school. And especially when it's something official like that, when you're trying to get a real comment, you might have a DM with a player and say, yeah, little things here and there, more personal, you know, just not really newsworthy type of stuff. You might have some of that going on, but like something like this, and I know Jack and Sampo both want time to think about their decision. I think probably having their season end this last weekend was not what they were expecting. So they, they weren't predetermined on what they were going to do. I think they had some time to think about it. And I think the fact that they haven't signed, like so many other players have already signed means that they, we're still legitimately waiting coming back for another year in Minnesota. And I've had people ask me, you know, do you think Laffer will have a scholarship available if he decides to come back? Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's a Hobie <laughs> Baker candidate. Mark Coyle and Bob will figure out 
a way to make sure that he's on scholarship for another year. Yeah, I just so we know Laffer hasn't gone in any transfer portals. Mo did. Um, Weber did. He's he's an underclassman too. Um, any other underclassmen? I don't think so. The rest of them were seniors, weren't they? We know McManus went into it. Rossini did, but they were seniors. Yeah, I, I was a little surprised to see McManus go in the portal. Just when we talked about the power play, he's one of the guys who generated points on there with hockey sense. And I thought that was something they were missing on some of their power plays this year are guys with hockey sense who know how to find space and gaps and produce with good players. I felt like he was one of those guys. I mean, he was injured twice this year uh, and still was, I think, third or fourth in points on this team behind Ranta and Reedy. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good season. So that that surprised me a little bit. He's a, he's, he's a good guy. He's well-liked in the locker room, but, but he'll be moving on. Is, and that's just it. He's moving on. Is this more of a Matsko saying, eh, I like some of you seniors, but you were never really my guys. And I La- think that's part La- of it. LaFontaine I- was because he brought him in after Lucia left. Um, and it could be just like, I need a different type of guy. And, you know, he's, and it may even be something, hey, we'll just, we'll let you, you can move along too. Or, we, we don't know the specifics, but he really does want to get his own guys in. Yeah. And I, it's, it's hard to fault the coach from wanting to get your own guys and your own attitude and your own conversations going. And that's that looks like the direction they're headed. So we so you talked about Ranta. Do you think he's going to sign? I mean, what do, what do you really think he's going to do? Or would he have signed already? I think if he was sold on playing in the AHL, he would have signed already. <laughs> Keep in mind, playing in the AHL this year is brutal. You know, yeah. you're going to be Bussing all over the place. Well, AHL is never the coddlement that college hockey is. Not even close. And he's he's got a lot of room to grow. He's still a pretty young kid. He's he's a young player in college hockey. He's not one of those 24-year-old veteran guys. He's got room to grow in his game. And I think we saw this year things start to finally click for him. If you want to talk about a player who can deliver body blows, it's Ranta. And he's got even more to his game. Uh, I'm not trying to compare him to Kaprasov, but Ranta can control the puck in the college game in zone like Kaprasov. Using his edges, using his size, using his speed to protect the puck and create opportunities. If he can build that game, it's going to give him a shot to make the abs. Because right now, there's no way Ranta can go and play for the Colorado Avalanche. It's just he won't fit in there. So for him to get to that level, he needs to grow his game more and just giving yourself the longer runway that you can by playing another college year, I think fits for him. You know, his, his family background, I think his dad was, you know, more of an American football guy and it's taken Sampo some time to, to figure this out. And I just have a feeling he might be back. Leadership, Sammy Walker. I, you know, wait, you know, just here we hear little things here and there. Maybe he doesn't listen to the coach as much and kind of does his own thing. But I, I, I think he's well. For one thing, I don't think he's good enough right now to leave, and I think he's just too small. I mean, he's still 165 pounds. It's it's he would get beat up in either anywhere. College is a good league for 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 Sammy Walker. It's a good league for him. He's got room to grow in all in all areas. Leadership, he can skills, skate. everything. Yep. I mean, he can skate. That's his skill right now. He can really kill penalties. There's a lot more growth in his game that's there. There's a lot more character, I think, that could be there. If you look at a guy who goes one-on-one, maybe a little bit too much, you know, it's hard not to think that Bob's talking about him sometimes. And, and you know, you talk about that because, you know, we used to see Ranta do that a lot more. But now when Ranta goes one-on-one, he protects the puck much better than Walker. He'll turn his back. He will protect the puck between him and the goal and the player. 
so he can hold on to it much longer. He doesn't just try to go stick around somebody. He protects it. Walker, sometimes he uses his speed. He does get around people, but other times, a lot of times he's losing the puck when he tries those one-on-one battles. A lot of the times when he cuts to the middle, how many times did he score on that play this year? Once? (laughs) How many times did he turn it over? Probably about 50. You know, probably in the Minnesota State game, you probably had six or seven turnovers. Mm -hmm. Just by taking the puck to the middle of the ice, you're bringing it right into the defenseman's triangle. It's not going to work against 25-year-old guys from Minnesota State. It just won't. <laughs> like they, they, they know what you're doing. So the next level for that game is just go, all right, I've, I'm going to extend the hand here. I'm going to take it in the corner. We're going to possess the puck. We're going to tire these guys out. Eventually, my speed pays off. Is that That's what that player has to think. Eventually... I'm a better skater than him. If we're out here long enough on this shift in the offensive zone, something's going to break for me. And we saw that sometimes this year, like in the Wisconsin games, when Walker and McLaughlin were going, it's because they possessed the puck and they created chaos and were out against tired players. That's when they're effective. When there's back pressure on the rush and they take it into the traffic, that's not a recipe for success. So th- they've got to learn that to, to get to the next level. All right. What else is on your mind about this team, Diggs? <laughs> we, we well, cra- we, we've got the craziness of the portal. We've got players that are coming back. It's like, can they, are they coming back? They're not coming back. The whole Laffer thing. Whew, it's, it's, well, obviously he comes back. He's playing. Yep. Um, I mean, he, he can but play he'll, he'll want to, but, but like you said, he'll want to, you know, he'll want to try to get Boynton in for some games. He can't just, well, it's a different scenario at that point because you've got Laffer who's definitely gone after next Correct. year, and you've got Boynton who's a freshman. He's got junior experience, but you got him for another couple of years. And he's older too. Yeah, he's 20 years old, so he's an older player, and I, I th- he's only six feet tall. So, you know, that's not pro-typically goalie numbers for height. Uh, he's got very good USHL numbers, but he doesn't have that pro frame that they look for. And so it's a little bit different. So he's probably more of a college goaltender. The The big question for me is what's going to happen with defensemen moving forward at Minnesota. I, I know I've talked to Raboyne about this over the years. He really likes to get in the rink and scout defensemen. He wants to see how they play physical in the corners, how they handle a forecheck, uh, their demeanor on the bench, uh, how they respond to questions after games, what their coach and teammates say about them. And they were not able to do that this year. Mm-hmm. And we only saw them get one more commit. Um, the Chesley guy from Matamidi is playing for the development team, who is probably the top defenseman for his age group. It was a huge recruiting win for Minnesota because he was looking at schools like you know Duluth, North Dakota, you know, the rivals that Minnesota wants to compete with nationally. And so to land him is a big thing for Minnesota, but they've also put themselves in a situation where they don't really have a lot of plug and play defensive commits coming in. We don't know what's going to happen with Nick Williams. And he played Edina. He's a smaller guy. He's a Lucia guy. And he didn't play USHL this year. He chose to stay in high school credit, you know, staying in high school is important. I'm all for that, but he's not ready to play college hockey now. No. And Middlestead, he's having a good year for Eden Prairie, but he's a little ways away. And, and, so and we want have, guys to play more juniors if we can. I mean, we're not going to always get to get that young Faber or whatever. Especially at the blue line. You want guys who are a little bit older if you can, unless they're these really skilled guys. So if Johnson, Lacombe, Faber were to leave early, it's a good sign they haven't signed already. But if they were to leave early, they would have some issues at defense. Oh, yeah. Because they just they just don't have players in the pipeline. So, you know, that's something after the pandemic ends, when coaches can get out and recruit a little bit more, maybe we'll see some action there. And maybe we'll see another Stodiker-type player signed by Minnesota. Stodiker was battling injuries all year this year. So I don't think we saw his best game. So... Who for sure is coming in next year and will be freshmen on this team? Uh, Lucius, Knives, Braz, and uh, 
who am I, who am I forgetting? Pillock. Those four for sure are coming in. They've signed their NLIs. They're ready to come in. Uh, Lucius and Nyes, they're, they're going to be highly drafted. Obviously, they're going to want to play. Uh, yeah, and Boynton. Um, you know, he hasn't signed his NLI yet, but we expect him to be there. True. But it's, it's really kind of a thing is we've got these guys kind of coming in, and he'll fill in if he's got other departures as best he can. Um, filling in offense sounds a lot easier than filling in defense from what you're telling me. I think if they lose anybody defensively, you're going to be looking at the portal. I think that's going to be the best way to, to find a fit. You know, you definitely want to be older on the blue line. You know, they do have plenty of numbers coming back. You know, you've got guys like Demon and Fish who haven't really played much. They're, they're depth guys right now. They're not in the portal. Uh, you hope that they developed this year and <laughs> are ready to, to fill in if they need players next year. Um, but a little unknown. Bob doesn't like to talk recruiting very he much. Know, he and doesn't. then, and then with all the restrictions and ranks, you know, you don't hear as much from scouts and things like that right now. Maybe, maybe Hammy saw this coming. He's like, I better get out while I can. <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps. It's, yeah. it's going to be a while off season for all of college hockey though it's it's gonna be crazy with so many guys in the portal the nhl is going to be kind of a weird season right now with with their late start and the draft this summer and then the season starting up again you know and the cap issues that could come up for those teams that they're going to want to get prospects into their systems i think for capped situations and cutting payroll so so really a lot of these guys from all over that are in the portal, not likely many of them are going to get picked up and you know, you'll, you'll get a few here and there, but really it's going to be more, Hey, if there are any late additions that are, you know, Hey, somebody decided to split, you're going to have to hit up the portal for a body. I think we've learned from some certain coaching staffs that when you have an early departure, don't grab a guy a year too soon. Do not do that. Do not bring in an 18-year-old who's not ready because you have a spot on your roster. You're better off trying to figure out another solution to that problem that's not going to ruin the development of a player. And, you know, you can look at someone like Clayton Phillips. I was thinking him right away because he you know, came in halfway through that season and it just it, – it, it, it just didn't work. Up. It was messed up. It didn't work for him. He didn't get a full prep for the season. He was pushed into roles he wasn't ready for. And then, you know, he probably just lost his confidence a little bit and he had to find a new place to play. And he, he played well for Penn State, but it's it's probably not what he wanted. Yeah, definitely not what he wanted because he could have been a probably a good leader on this team coming you know, the last couple of years. Just just a, yeah, so, just he, a solid defenseman. We needed those solid defensemen, guys that are reliable. But since he was kind of thrown in too early... It all went like, I thought they, I thought they could have used Robbie Stucker against Minnesota State. I really do. He's a guy who's got his head up and can get pucks to the net. That's the reason he was on the power play. When you're against a team that's going to play five back, you're not as worried about someone's skating ability. He probably could have helped in that game, getting pucks to the net and creating some chaos, because some of the other guys in the blue line. It was not pretty getting pucks to the net, so. Yeah. They were experts at hitting shins. It was great. So what, how do you feel about next year? I mean, they do, if if things hold the way they are. And if we just assume that Laffer's not coming back, we, we've, we've got uh, Boynton coming in. Might be, goaltending might be the only kind of question on, until we find out about Laffer. Otherwise, it's it's a good-looking team coming back, Viggs. It's a good-looking team. I think players like Lucius will really help the power play. You know, he's a dangerous shooter that every team will have to worry about. You know, He's a guy who could probably slide in that bumper roll, that half-wall roll. He will be kind of like a Caulfield, I think, on the power play. He'll be able to slide into soft spots and create great scoring chances. And that... That could take this team to another level because this year I felt their special. Uh oh. 
We just lost Viggs. Let's give him a second. It's a little weird here one by himself, but Viggs is frozen. And it's playing oh, by. Oh, hold on. Hold on there, Viggs. We're playing. Hold on there, Viggs. All right. Are you back? You were really out there for a second. <laughs> right as you got the right as you said special teams, you cut out, you froze, and you were gone. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like you're about to say yeah, the special teams didn't perform the way they did before. Or like they, no, they should it, have. And we expect that out of a Bob Motzko coach team. It's Correct. a good power play. Traditionally, he's always been able to figure that out and have really good ones. Not this year. For whatever <laughs> reason, stubbornness with with what he was doing maybe ignoring what the results were on the ice and thinking, okay, it's going to work eventually, but it just wasn't consistently dangerous enough. And it got worse and worse as the season went on, Viggs. I mean, the announcers were talking about it. You know, I'm, I, did. I, you know, you saw I'm the... texting with my friend Sunday evening, watching this game. She's like, oh, oh we got to stay out of the box. Mankato fan. We got to stay out of the box. I'm like, I don't really think you need to worry because Minnesota hasn't scored a power play in like 10 years. <laughs> they had, and, but you, you know, know what I'm there saying. were some, there were some goals that happened just after the penalties expired. Yeah. I'm just going to speak up for Bob, but I don't think it was because the power play was so great. Mm-hmm. It was because they created some chaos and made something out of nothing. And that's how the power play worked a lot. The second half of the year, it wasn't because of great skill work and creativity. It was, they finally created some chaos and got a goal and mm-hmm. that can work sometimes, but you'd like to see them be more dangerous. Any final thoughts, Viggs? It's been a fun season. You know, we're doing this the live YouTube thing this year, trying some different things. It's been fun. It's been fun. I, I look forward to doing more Zoom next year with all of our great guests. I appreciate everyone who came on our show. Um, they will get complimentary beers or pizzas from me when I meet them in person again. I'm so looking forward to getting back in the rinks. Oh, jeez. I, mean, I got my first shot today. I'm, I'm feeling strong already. Lots of big swelling happening at the injection site. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be good. I I think Bob, for as much flack as he got this week on Twitter for talking about the start time oh, issue, he's he's got this team headed in the right direction. They're winning recruiting battles. They're getting the players that they need to get you just have to hope they can get older because it's yes. not, it's not quite there yet. You know, they were the fourth youngest team in college hockey this year. And that's including guys like Rossini, uh, Denman, Stucker, Myers, Burke, <laughs> Myers, you know, that, you know, there's some guys that are old Munson that aren't, you know, playing those are too. older guys yeah. that are, they're playing. Well, and some guys that aren't playing Denman and you know, Stucker didn't play so much after, Playing a lot more last year, so. I mean, you look at their their defensemen. I was just going to look at the, the age right now of some of their top D. You know, uh, Lacombe, he's like 19 years old. Johnson, like 19 years old. Caster, 19 years old. Favor, 18 years old. You know, these guys are young. It's a big age gap. And those guys are playing tons of minutes. I hope Brock Faber sticks around because he is a 20 to 30-minute guy. In college Five hockey. points. I think he had seven points on the season when he came into it that night. Or it was seven or eight. And then all of a sudden, he almost doubled his points. Tip of the iceberg for his offensive game. Yes. It was nice to see. So keep the faith. Take a look at those uh, tickets next year. I know they've that when they won the Big Ten tournament, they released the details on that. Good time to do that. The seat at the end, about 22 23 bucks a game. That's pretty good entertainment for all the people who complain about ticket prices, $23 average to see this team play. They're going to play a tough non-conference schedule. We don't know what it is, but it's going to be the teams you want to see because Bob knows they have to do that. (laughs) We shall see Viggs. We shall see. That's going to do it for season number 10 of the GPL podcast. You know, Eric and I just want to always just thank all of you who listen to the show each week, who watch us live on YouTube. And uh, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you guys uh, doing this every week during the season. Uh, For those of you currently watching live, we're going to some of our favorite part of the show, Overtime. 
Uh, for the rest of you, thanks for listening, and we will be back next season. 